Hello and welcome everyone. Before I start the show, I want to uh, shine a quick light on uh, the Spirit of Harmony Foundation, which is an organization that works in partnership with established programs to recognize and respond to the specific problems or needs of music education programs across the country. Some of our listeners might know uh, rock star Todd Rundgren. This organization was actually started by some of the fans of his, some campers at a uh, summer camp that he occasionally puts on. This one in particular in 2013, where campers raised $10,000 and donated it to a school in New Orleans to purchase instruments. This is a great cause, and it's something that I uh, feel is very important. I had a uh, music education growing up, and I it's changed my life. I can't imagine my life without it. And uh, if there are any children out there that would like to learn, you know, have a passion for music, they need to have the tools necessary to do so. So head over to spiritofharmony.org, and uh, they have a little contest going right now in partnership with Quaker Steak and Lube. What it is, is you record yourself... Uh, lip syncing to the song Bang the Drum, and then get on the website, thelube.com forward slash drums, and upload your video for a chance to be uh, uh, featured on their social media, Quaker Steak and Lube social media. Now, I imagine they have a, quite a few followers, so if you're one of the types who's looking for internet fame, this is your ticket right here. But uh, this contest is going through uh, July 29th through September 30th. So again, thelube.com forward slash drums for the contest. And if you'd just like to check out the organization or donate some money, spiritofharmony.org. One more thing really quick before we start the show. I'd like to give a shout out to my uh, buddy who goes by Big Main on his podcast, The Lover's Rendezvous Podcast. It's a pretty cool show. He features uh, all kinds of different music uh, by request, stuff you probably don't hear on the radio too often. But uh, very chill music, uh, R&B. Some of the episodes I heard were from the 90s. But uh, yeah, really good show. I strongly recommend you listen to it. Go to bigmainsworld.weebly.com and check out what he's got up there so far. Uh, He releases his podcast in seasons, I believe. So he has got another season coming out fairly soon. But check it out. I think you like it. That's uh, big with two G's in Maine, uh, spelled like the state, M-A-I-N-E. So uh, yeah, check it out. Now on with the show. Hermes Conrad, Eurocrad level grade 36, and you are listening to the Candair Podcast. No, stop it and get back to work. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Kyle Pryor. And join us today to talk about the uh, new comic, Big Hitters, which was just successfully funded on Kickstarter, Travis Sangos. Thanks for being with us, Travis. Oh, no. Thank you very much for having me as a guest. I appreciate it. I wanted to get you on during the Kickstarter, but uh, our schedule would not allow. So I'm I'm glad we got you on uh, nonetheless, and a very successful Kickstarter. Congrats to you. I mean, next time you successfully fund a project, you might factor our feelings into it a little bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) It's just common card. Yeah, I mean, far be it from me to tell you what to do. (laughs) Oh, we got a good show lined up for you today. It's been a little while since we've done a normal episode. Yeah. Probably about three weeks. Uh, Been doing all this unconventional coverage and stuff. Yeah, the con coverage. Then our uh, we had the episode with Patty Farmer talking about the Playboy laughs, and then the episode before that with Kevin Eastman, the TMNT co-creator. Now we're back to form. Back to form. It's always 
good and fun to come back to form. I love yeah. it. I love it's, it. It's like that old pair of shoes that, you know, you don't wear out when you're dressing to impress, but they're... It's it like you for me to be. This metaphor really got away from me. It's more like getting home from a vacation after being gone. Ah, there you go. It was new and exciting, but now you just want your own bed. Yeah, I want to go home. Yeah, for real. So, in today's retro roundtable, we're going to be talking about celebrating Tom Hanks. Sir Thomas. Sir Thomas. No one oh, calls yeah. him that but me. Well, Camden calls him that. <laughs> All right, it's a fish. What better person to talk about? And we could probably, we're probably going to need like two or three of these segments over. Uh, some time to totally cover Tom Hanks. Yeah, well, I mean, he hasn't done that much, right? I mean, he's been in a couple of movies. Yeah, just a couple. Yeah, yeah just a couple. Yeah, and then we're going to be uh, opening the door to the comic vault. Uh, what do we have, guys? What do you got there, Kyle? Uh, I've got part of the DC Universe Rebirth. It's uh, Batman, Volume 25, The War of Jokes and Riddles, Part 1. Look at that. Very cool. I got me a little BPRD Ape Sapien. Ooh. I got pretty excited for uh, Shape of Water coming out, so I wanted to... That sounds Get sweet. My fish I'm very intrigued fix. to hear that. Yeah, it was cool. Very cool. The books we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Travis and talk about big hitters. But before we do all that, Jake. Ladies and gentlemen, I come to you with exciting news. If you're not content to merely listen to us once a week or however many times you re-listen to your favorite episodes, you can get a daily dose of all our fun quips and information through all of our social networking outlets. Try Twitter at Canned Air Pod, Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Check us out on YouTube. Of course, uh, there's also our fantastic line of merch, Society Six slash Canned Air Podcast. Is it or is it just Pod? Canned Air Pod. Canned Air Pod, mm-hmm. where we've got shirts, shower curtains, <laughs> mugs, clocks, many other things. Fine, fine things for your home. I can hear Travis right now thinking, "What? What's happening? What is going? <laughs> what did I sign up for?" I'm, I'm just politely, I'm just politely listening. I'm just being polite. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> Very Canadian of me. Well, <laughs> in the interest of not torturing our guests, let me just say: follow us on Twitter, Instagram, check out our YouTube page, visit us on our website, check out our special guest page for all of our interesting and exciting guests. There you have it. And one more thing before we get this episode rolling to all of those people who are going to be attending the Chicago Wizard World happening August 24th through 27th. When you go to wizardworld.com to purchase your tickets in the promo box, put can there, lowercase with no space. You're going to get that sweet 10% off your tickets. And that's uh, not just for Chicago. After that, Nashville, September 8th through the 10th. And uh, Madison, September 22nd through the 24th. You're attending any of these shows, 10% off. Hand air, lowercase, no space. You're welcome. But wait, there's more. Send us that code in an email. We will give you our entire catalog of podcast episodes for free, oh, wow. on demand, to be listened to anytime you like. Free. Free. With you know that. what they say, a canned air a day keeps the doctor away. Hey, it's true. That's true. In fact, I've heard doctors say that. All right. <laughs> Enough smoke up these poor people's ass. Yeah. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Round Table. Do it. Do it! Come on! I'm here! Come on! Do it now! Oh my god! It killed Kenny! Grab! Taste bad! Alright. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Where do we begin? Uh, I'd like to start with Polar Express. (laughs) 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 
Seriously? I don't know. Maybe a little, actually. Okay, now that go I think ahead. About it. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. You haven't? No. Um, it's like everyone's go-to example <laughs> of the Uncanny Valley effect, where the like CG likeness of Tom Hanks is so close to Tom Hanks that it seems alien and strange. You know, like the nearer you get to a perfect human likeness, the more unreal it feels. Right. So Polar Express is mostly remembered as being terrifying. <laughs> it's really? it's really hard to watch. <laughs> yeah. The animation is solid and it obviously costs them a lot of money, but the realism works against it in like facial expressions and things. Sure. Like that. It's bizarre. Uh, but it's Tom Hanks and that smooth, almost fatherly, reassuring voice just just lulls you through the whole the whole story. Yeah, like train conductor, right? Children being abducted around Christmas <laughs> <on a train laughs> time. <laughs> what about you, Travis? What are your feelings on Polar Express? <laughs> uh, I've never actually seen the entire thing. Me neither. Just uh, bits and pieces. And I think it probably has to do with that same kind of reason. Is that I when it comes to like animation, I I just or any kind of computer well, I guess computer effects you want it to look real. But I guess with animation, I mean, do you like want it to look real? It just seems it just seems kind of weird. And every time I saw those like Robert Zemeckis movies when they were coming out, I was just I just I just never really gravitated to any of that whatsoever because one is exactly what you said is it just looks so bizarre and weird to have this like this real actor but with this weird creepy like computer sheen over top of them. It's weird. What's the point, you know? It just makes yeah. me wonder. I think all animation, no matter how good it is, all animation dates. Yeah. Pretty horribly. And you know, I go on about the special effects of Jurassic Park throughout our catalog and how amazing it looks, and it does. But there are a few scenes, you know, where they weren't using actual animatronic puppets and stuff, where they do use uh, some computer-generated animals. For instance, when you first see the brontosaurus at the beginning. Now, that's not... I mean, it still looks cool. Sure. It still works for the illusion, but uh, it doesn't look like that T-Rex does. That was actually no. a puppet. If you're striving to look that realistic... Just make it a real... Just, just, just do, do it. it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. I actually... Okay, I don't mean to interrupt on this, but I have a question for you guys that I actually... I was on the weekend. over the, On Saturday, I was at a, a friend's place. We had a barbecue and watched a bunch of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Oh, yeah. Not related... But um, we were, we got, me and another, there were a few of us that were there. We got onto a discussion about um, dated special effects. And so what we were watching was, I can't remember which movie we were watching at the time, but it was the, it was talking about like dated effects, but those were practical effects. And then I thought to myself and I asked, what would you prefer? Would you prefer in this modern age, maybe slightly unconvincing? Practical effects or slightly unconvincing computer effects? I would almost always want slightly unconvincing practical effects. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much what yeah, I Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. And my thoughts go right to the first TMNT movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, several instances in that movie where, you know, the puppetry or whatever, you know. You can see a dude's teeth. Right. Or I mean, if you look hard enough, like on the final shot of that movie when they're on the roof facing the shredder, if you look at the backdrop, you can see like the whole cityscape is like on a curtain rod. (laughs) (laughs) There's parts of it that just don't work, but they're things that you can easily look over, I think. Um, Which I don't know. I guess could said be said. You know, the same could be said for CG animation, but 
It's just not as forgiving as the practical effects it's just, for me. CG just stands out so much when it, it doesn't does. work. And it's so expensive to get the cutting edge. You know, you commit your film to a render farm for six and a half days <laughs> so you can get 30 minutes of footage. Now, the thing I keep, you're talking about Schwarzenegger movies, I keep thinking of Total Recall. I think it was Total Recall we were watching. Yeah, and they get sucked out into the Martian <laughs> yes. surface and their eyes start bulging yes. out of their skull. It, at no point in time did that ever look like good. <laughs> but I, it's still just, I love but it it's today. still a lot more memorable. Than the, the entertainment other, value yeah. is just through the yeah. roof. Uh, thinking of Arnold again in that first Terminator movie when he's in the, the gas station bathroom and he's like cutting part of his face yeah, off yeah. or something. I mean, that's obviously like the fakest uh, dummy there, but... Right, but it rules. It rules. It's fucking oh, yeah. awesome, yeah. you know? Because it's real. It puts you there. And I feel like it's it comes back to that like willful suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. You know it's not real, but when it's a physical thing, your brain is more willing to forgive it. Right. Yeah. You know? Hmm. I learned something about myself today. Thanks, yeah. Travis. Oh, hey, <laughs> just, the, the timing, the timing of me thinking about that and asking that question on Saturday just ended up being incredibly fortuitous for this discussion right here. I Look think at that the it stars really aligned. Yeah. Oh yeah. But what about you, Kyle? Uh, Tom Hanks. Let's movie. see. For Tom Hanks, I think um, my go-to is probably for my childhood to be like the Toy Story movies. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's Same just, here. even just his voice, but like just the way it worked with everything. That was just kind of how I knew him. I'm a sucker for those movies. <laughs> I mean, when when I was a child, and I've said this on the show before, I legitimately would try to rush into the room and catch my toys in the act of something. Like I thought they were alive. <laughs> right. So when those movies came out, it was just like total like affirmation. Okay, you're not the only stupid ass <laughs> thinking that. And the original Toy Story, it holds up. Oh, you yeah. know, it does. Um, the graphics are a little dated, but who cares? Watch the first one against the third one. Yeah, I mean, it's you're kind of splitting hairs. Yeah, I mean, when you're animating toys, it have like a smooth plastic right. look to so, them already. Um, and I think that's why you really don't see a lot of uh, Andy or his mom in that first yeah. one as much as you do in those later ones. But um, the technology really caught up to right. But like stuff in the background, like the quilting on the bed or stuff like that, the the grain in the wood. It's attention yeah. to detail that really sells it. They, they just, by the third movie, it's there. In that first movie, it's not. But right. there are things that get overlooked by a child. Yeah, you know, well, so. yeah. Great films. I uh, read somewhere that Tom Hanks was in a elevator at a hotel once. And a, a father with his son or daughter got on the elevator. And the daughter or son, the child, mm-hmm. had a Woody doll. And the dad engaged with Tom Hanks, started talking, and... You know, Tom just reached down, grabbed the Woody doll, signed it, gave it back to the kid while he was talking, and said that the kid looked at the doll, looked at him, and just erupted into tears. Like, what have you done to my doll? Like, having (laughs) no concept of who this man is, you know. I just, I love that story. Just the love for that play thing. I don't know. It was awesome. It's wild. That is pretty sweet. Soft spot for toys, if you guys haven't been able to tell by the looks of this room. Mm, I don't know, man. I'm not seeing it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What about you, Travis? Favorite Tom Hanks movie? Favorite Tom Hanks? Um, I'm going to get, like, Private Ryan out of the way, but that's mm. more, like, of the whole thing that that, that what that movie was. Right. But I have a real soft spot. Well, I shouldn't say soft spot because there's part of it that I saw the movie when I was too young. But I will always sit. It was on TV not that long ago. I will always sit and watch The Burbs. 
Oh man. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been so long since I've seen that. I can hardly remember anything about it. Yeah, it's just there's something there's something about it that's so like it's it's in that and it's in that era before he was trying to be like before Philadelphia and before you know trying to be taken seriously in that whole like Turner and Hooch Joel yes. versus Hano <laughs> era, which is still a pretty charming Tom Hanks, but I just find the birds just so weird and it's just yeah, there's just something about it. And I also remember seeing it a little bit too young and so like later on with like the scary neighbors across the street and then they actually were like murdering people (laughs) (laughs) and they had all the skull or all like the bones in the trunk of the car it was just one of those movies i saw where it was kind of scary but it's not a horror movie so i I have a little bit of a soft spot for that one yeah and it, it definitely does uh stand apart from the rest of tom hanks movies it's not only in that like creepy kind of uh yeah Lighthearted, but still threatening. Right. And it's got that trait that's it's so hard to quantify because it, it's different criteria for different movies, but it's got watchability. Mm-hmm. You can just sit down and chill watching The Burbs. You can watch it while you're doing something else. Mm-hmm. You know, you're know, not like watching Bridge of Spies or something, and you've got to stay focused on the I details. always group that movie with uh, So I Married an Axe Murder. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Definitely They're, same vibe. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But another like thing movie. about The Burbs, it doesn't have an airplane in it, like most of his movies That's do. a good point. Yeah. <laughs> do we see him urinate on camera, though? I don't know. Do we see him <laughs> fall in love with a volleyball? Hmm. I mean, come on, that happens to everyone. Right. I remember the eighth grade as much as anybody. <laughs> you mentioned something about that before we started, about how you don't oh, want to be yeah, on the plane was, with Tom um, Hanks. Yeah, last week I saw a meme on Facebook, and it was uh, the one actor you never want to travel with, and it was just snapshots from those movies, like when he's stranded on a beach and the plane that crashed and everything. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Well, looking through the catalog, I jotted some of the movies down that would, might fit that criteria, why you never want to travel with Tom Hanks fucking anywhere. <laughs> The Terminal. Oh, gee. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. One. Captain Phillips. Yeah. The obvious. Castaway. Solly. Apollo 13. <laughs> this dude's just like leading damned voyages. <laughs> Every type of vehicle is represented land, sea, air, outer space. <laughs> and it's a disaster. Maybe that can be our next t shirt. Land, Ooh. sea, or air, don't travel with Tom Hanks. There you go. Just got a picture of Tom looking really sad with a big X through. One of my. I wanted to say this earlier when you mentioned Tom Hanks being animated because one of my favorite things he's ever done. Uh, was just a cameo in the Simpsons movie where he <laughs> does like this friendly commercial for the uh, like the new Grand Canyon, new Shelbyville Grand Canyon, where they're going to blow Springfield up. <laughs> and uh, there's this little kid rushes into frame and he goes, tussle my hair, Mr. Hanks. <laughs> he just looks down and he's like, sure, kid. And he tosses his hair and his hair starts sparkling and shit. It was so fucking funny. But even more funny than that was at the end of the movie when the credits are rolling. They go up for a second and Tom Hanks walks on the screen and, you know, as, as a yeah. cartoon. Goes hi, this is Tom Hanks saying that if you see me in public, leave me be. <laughs> that was it. Please let me live my life. It was so oh. fucking funny. I can't. I forgot. I can't believe I forgot it too. But my favorite performance of his though was as Jimmy Dugan. Jimmy, Dugan. I totally forgot about that. What's in what? I don't know what that. When was. he was in the League of Their Own. 
Oh shit! I totally forgot about that, and that is my favorite. That is my favorite performance of his because he nailed to me, and I of course wasn't there, but he seems to really nail what like a former drunk, washed up ball player would have been like. Yeah, I forgot all about that movie. Let me think. That was Madonna, Bette Midler. No, no, Gina, Gina Davis. Yeah. Who was the third? Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell. That's right. Yeah, that was one where I think Tom. That to me is one of my favorite Tom Hanks. Probably is my favorite Tom Hanks performance. How about Splash? Oh yeah, I don't remember Splash. Yeah, I've never seen that. Really, him and uh, Daryl Hannah. It was that was in the early '80s. It was long before you guys' time, but <laughs> makes sense. Gather round, children. Let me tell you a tale, children. <laughs> Pull your chairs closer. Um. Turned into Bane there for a minute. Yeah. No, uh, he. Uh, Tom Hanks is your ally. That was Star Maker, though. That set him off on. Didn't, didn't Splash? That was the one that basically put him in the movies for good. Yeah, I think it really was because I think Big came soon after that. Oh, but Big. no, uh, Splash was. Daryl Hannah played a mermaid. Who, like when she <laughs> dried off, like her fin turned to legs and she came to land and. He took her in and fell in love with her and all this stuff. It was that a, sounds stupid. Uh, kind of. <laughs> and Ron Howard directed that. That was his first one too, wasn't it? Was it that really? I didn't know. Yeah. Really, I think it's it might have been. His I... career never took off. You know. <laughs> right. Well, you can still find Splash occasionally on the television, huh. and we always watch it when it's on. It's a fun little movie. But oh, sure. Um, Let's keep an eye out for it. Yeah, I've never heard of it before. One of my all-time favorites, and probably an unpopular opinion, is Forrest Gump. I was just about to say Forrest Gump. When did Forrest Gump become a divisive movie? Because when I was young, it was just a good movie. Yeah. And now it's, like, fashionable to to tear it apart. Yeah, I know. And, I yeah, I mean, I know a lot of it's pretty unbelievable. Well, yeah. The book's less believable. He goes into space. Does he really? (laughs) Yeah, he becomes an astronaut. In the first or second one? The The first one? First? I don't... yeah, the first one, because in the second one, everything he does goes wrong. Like, he's responsible for the new Coke formula and Have all you kinds read of it? other things. Not the whole way through, no, but I... I want to read it really bad. I just, I'm, like, so, like, not wanting to waste my time, you know? Yes. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a second book. Yeah, I'm, it picks it up right, like, right at the end of the other movie. Like, huh. he puts Interesting. little forest on yeah. the bus. Oh, man, what a yeah, great that, movie. Yeah, I thought that was a great movie, just because that was just, yeah. like, a like a wholesome movie. Yeah, and like, it's got... Sorry, it's a go. good Saturday after. Like, if you're home on Saturday afternoon, like you're always going to stop him. But you're going to sit and watch Forrest oh, Gump. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> well, me and my friends went and saw that in the theater, and uh, there was maybe four or five of us. We sat right in the middle row in the middle of the theater, and there were the place wasn't packed, but there were there was a good amount of people in there. <laughs> and for some reason, like at the spot where he, he's running and he stops, and they're like, "Quiet! He's going to say something." I'm tired now. <laughs> Think I'm gonna go home. You know, it just starts running. Like everybody's like, you hear sniffling, like wiping tears away or whatever. We just lost it, fucking laughing, like out loud. It's the funniest fucking thing. But aside from that, best line of the movie. I'm sorry, Lieutenant Dan. She tasted like cigarettes. <laughs> it's the way he like bites off the end of cigarettes that really. <laughs> I could see though. Thinking about it now, I could see some of the, like, divisiveness being there because somewhat of hindsight, because I, you know, it's still really entertaining, but looking back at it now for how, like, 
how lauded it was critically at the time. In hindsight, when you watch it, it's like, it probably shouldn't have beat Pulp Fiction to win Best Picture, let's be honest. That's a valid point. Very good yeah. point. I will stand behind that statement. The th- just, uh, I was just going to say, go back and look what was uh, playing around it at the yeah. time. But, you know, if Pulp Fiction was in the same year, that's kind of hard to argue yeah. with. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> It's Pulp Fiction. I mean, cinema in the past 15, 20 years has come an amazing long way in the in the... Uh, as far as being in art form, not that it sure. wasn't then, but they were just seemed to like really churn out shitty blockbusters just to yeah. make money, and now they're taken a lot more seriously. It seems there are at least opportunities wrong. for less, you know, gigantic money right. grab type films. But before I forget, because I will forget, Catch Me If You Can. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, another that's, airplane. Yeah. I remember being on an airplane and Catch Me If You Can was on and they were passing out the headsets. I didn't want them. I just wanted to listen to my music and fall asleep. But it came to that bit where they're in the cab and his buddies are talking about how he never kids around, never makes any jokes. My favorite line in the movie where he's like, all right, here's a joke for you. Knock, knock. Who's there? Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember laughing and the guy next to me seeing that I didn't have any headphones and giving me kind of a look like, this guy's weird, you know, just like that general disapproval. Man, understatement of the year. <laughs> that's a great joke. I might have to use that. Oh, it's the best. But yeah, that's that's a great one. Oh, is it? Matt Damon puts in a good show. Tom Hanks good show. It's it's that's a Matt fun. Matt Damon was in that. Yeah, wasn't weird. he the antagonist? He's no, the guy he's Leonardo DiCaprio. Ah, Jesus! I always mix those two up. Yeah. You know what I mean. We were talking about Matt Damon earlier with yeah. celebrities you don't really yeah. go on a trip with. I guess they do have kind of a similar look to them. Not that they look alike, but I could see kind of maybe swapping them yeah. in the movies. But I always loved in that movie, like how it showed him making those fake checks. Like there was yeah, a, that yeah, like special. Soaking the toys. <laughs> yeah, he took it off <laughs> yeah. those toy airplanes and, oh, it was awesome. Good times. Given the whole audience ideas. You know? Yeah. Well, isn't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> Any other Tom Hanks movies, guys? Green Mile. Oh, oh, like yeah. the Tom Hanks movie. Can Mr. Jingles have some cornbread bones? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a great one. What about I, you? I'm still not quite over Michael Clark Duncan. It's just such yeah. a bummer we lost him. He was amazing. Yeah. He really was. was good and as bad as that freaking Daredevil movie was, he was an He was awesome the best part yeah. of a shitty movie. Kingpin. Yeah. He was awesome. Because he had, like, the physical... St- they didn't have to, like, overdo it. He was just a big, yeah. imposing dude. He's believable, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just oh, that fight at the end when he's just beating yeah. the piss out of him it was awesome. That was so. That's like that's the movie for me. Like, sure. I just watched that fight <laughs> on YouTube, and I've just watched the Colin Farrell can get a cab home. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I've never. It's heard about that him. fight. Yeah. Now with the I can't because I I remember when I remember when he got cast as the kingpin. I remember that he was going to play the kingpin. And I think it's funny if you think about it, like, in hindsight now, there would probably be so much, like, internet outrage. Oh, yeah. It would be a thing. Yeah. But at the time, I was just, I mean, I, I don't really remember, but at the time I was like, yeah, it's, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, he's because cool. And, and then when you watched it, it was like, it was a perfect casting. It, it really was. was. Yeah. And if you think about it, I mean, it's really kind of ahead of its time, you know, casting him in the role of it's typically a white guy because it seems like a lot in the comics like when the Fantastic Four movie they did the same thing with Johnny Storm right um 
Oh, I know there's some other instances that I'm not even able to think of at the moment. Boy, like do I movies in general. I know there's like Nick Fury with like Samuel What about Jackson. that new Dark Tower movie that just came out? Oh, yeah. Roland is played by Idris Elba. No, he wasn't African-American in the No, no. Book, in Dark he? Tower, he is like a carbon copy of Clint Eastwood. Like throughout the series, they allude to how much he looks like Clint Eastwood to the point there when he comes to our reality. Yeah. He sees a poster for like the good, the bad, and the ugly or something. And he, like, stops and does a double take. (laughs) He's supposed to have these really piercing blue eyes, which Idris Elba doesn't have. That's my only gripe. They they really should have given him some contact lenses or something, because so much of it, so much of that story talks about how he's got these, like, Terminator eyes, they call him. He's just, like, focused and in the zone at all times, like, surveying everything. Well, he still looks badass. Oh, sure. I'm still kind of questionable about the Matthew McConaughey... <laughs> Honestly, casting. that that was the casting I was on board with right off the rip. Is he playing, what, Death? No, he's he's the man in black. So he's like, you ever read The Stand? Are you familiar with it? The oh, yeah. Stephen King? Yeah. Uh, I saw the movie. He's like a, he's he's the walking dude. Gotcha. You know? Okay. He's he's like the, the everywhere antagonist. He just is. Mm. He's kind of chaotic. It's It's weird. But, uh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I don't know. I was down with that. And I tell you what, I, I didn't like Matthew McConaughey for a long time. And <laughs> recent, like, talking like True Detective, stuff like that, he's really come back for me in a big way. And I'm now like, all right. All right, all right, all right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Before he, did he was get not like all right, a, right. Did he get a new agent or I something? I don't know, man. Because I was like a car commercial. Like, all of a sudden, like, there was a thing where he was just in, like, that like he was doing the rom-com thing. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, he just went up, disappeared just for a little bit, and then just reappeared, and all of a sudden, his career, he just can't miss anymore. Yeah. Interstellar. Reconnaissance. was a great movie. Yeah, that was crazy. And I think that really kind of, I guess, redefined it for me, or yeah. him for me. Because, I mean, aside from that, like like you're saying, Travis, I think of, like, rom-coms and all right, all right, all yeah. right. Or, like, failure to launch or whatever the oh. hell. You know, <laughs> he was just a parody of himself yeah. there for a little Yeah, but, uh, yeah, after Interstellar, I was like, damn, he was really good in that. Yeah. That was a good movie, period. It was. But, all right, well, I think that's going to probably be enough for the Tom Hanks convo. We got squeezed a lot out of that, right? I think we did. And I always yeah. like when these conversations go, like, a little off the rails, because the subject's just the jumping off point. Right. <laughs> I wonder what kind of t-shirt Tom Hanks wears. I'll bet he would wear <laughs> I bet a t-shirt. it's 100% cotton. Well, think so? no question. I think so. I'm thinking like Egyptian cotton, high thread count. <laughs> with a Candair logo on the front. Because he's a man of taste. <laughs> that he is. Well, now, where would Tom Hanks buy something like that, though? Well, if I had to guess, I'd say he'd speak through one of his many agents, sycophants, or uh, loyal followers. And they'd acquire it from society6.com slash candairpod. That's right. And he could get a Candair mug. He sure <laughs> a could. fucking bath mat and shower curtains. I mean, we got it all. Baby. Can you imagine our logo drying off the little toesies of Tom Hanks somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how you know you've made it. I think yeah. all of us will sense it at once. No matter where we are, we'll just be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it just happened. Why do we have such weird merchandise? I don't know. Shower curtains and bath mats. <laughs> Candair rectal thermometers coming soon. You know, it's just uh, the shirts I get, the, the rest not I so get. much. The mugs, yeah. The, oh, well, there's a market for everything. Yeah, I mean, I said, I guess we could just put our logo on absolutely everything. It's on like that uh, Spaceballs, the merchandise. Yeah, <laughs> Candair the merchandise. The search for more money. 
Can they have the bed sheets? Can they have the toilet paper? They'll buy it. <laughs> they will. But hey, those shirts are nice. I really True. enjoy the shirts. Yeah, I can agree to that. Uh, if you want to order a black one, though, don't order black. Order what the charcoal gray. Yeah, charcoal, the charcoal the really gray. dark gray. It's, it's just like a tri-blend. Nice. Tri yeah. For some Something. reason, the print on those black t-shirts does not lay right. No, Flakes yeah. and chips off. But the other material is fantastic. Put it through the wash three times a day. It'll be fine. And, and get the men's sizes. Because they seem to be more comfortable. Uh, no, I'm serious. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm just laughing. I'm just imagining you like ordering women's sizes. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, I just think this doesn't fit me right. <laughs> Society Six Candare or shit. Society Six dot com forward slash Candare Pod. Go get some t-shirts. And with that, let's take a stroll into the comic vault. Who would like to go first this week? I'll knock mine out super quick. Knock it out because it was a little short, but it was like full of like allusion to a greater story which I love mm -hmm. but it doesn't give me too many talking points so I'll knock it out uh, Ape Sapien BPRD oh right yeah. um, I'm not as well read when it comes to the whole BPRD storyline right. Hellboy everything like that not nearly as much as I should be because the more I'm exposed to that series the more I come to like revere it in this weird religious way right but uh, this I think is hot off the heels of like the Hell on Earth arc Unless I'm misinterpreting what took place there. Because America is essentially besieged by ancient Lovecraftian horrors. They're just waking up and springing from the ground and falling from the sky here and there and everywhere. Entire cities are being depopulated, evacuated, wiped out. And uh, Abe Sapien's on the run. They need him for something. He's, he's left the BPRD, uh, some crisis of conscience, or, or he didn't want to become involved in the greater conflict and he's living the life of a drifter essentially and the story cuts in uh, he's in a train car with these hobos and um, they're talking about what drove them from their home how many years they've been on the run riding the rails etc what horrors they've seen traveling the country and so you get all of these nice little vignettes that kind of set the stage for what's been happening in America oh Kansas City's been leveled New York's a giant sinkhole lined with teeth you know all of these horrific nightmarish events are happening and this one guy has this story about he says you know I was in this park in you know some state or whatever they got these spiders there spiders but they look like people and they sing to you and it showed you like this vaguely humanoid spider monstrosity just like holding out its arms to this child and like cooing and whistling and it was like walking toward him and something like Jeez. ended up fighting a bunch of just talking about all these nightmarish things that are popping up and the military response and how heavy handed and like ineffective it's been people mowing down civilians and uh, the comic ends with the train being stopped by the BPRD who managed to track him down and Abe's back on the run but all of those little stories, I'm such a such a glutton for like just barely explained details and plot elements. I think my favorite thing about a story is what it implies rather than what it outright tells you. So this was just like a just like a buffet of tiny snippets of things that made me go like, oh, I want to know more. You know? Right. <laughs> so yeah. it was just cool as hell. And I mean, the art I, at this point, I don't even have to talk about the art. You guys know approximately what it looks like and right. how stunning it is. Just check it out. Ape Sapien. Is it is the artwork in the same vein as like the Hellboy? Very much so. Yeah. Comics themselves. Uh -huh. And is Hellboy in the, in the Ape Sapien no. books? This would be after Hellboy's. Dead and gone, if I'm not mistaken. So this is following, like, the main story like, yeah, after yeah. Hellboy. Was it Hellboy in Hell? Was yeah, that the yeah, last I one? So. Really? Yeah, so, there is no Hellboy in this one. It is just Abe. But there's still the BDRP or whatever? Uh-huh. Huh. 
Interesting. The Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense presents. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very good. You got me intrigued. I kind of want to read oh, that. Oh, it's cool as hell. Those singing spiders. Uh, that's going to haunt me. Right. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> All right. There are spiders. I'm afraid to read it. <laughs> yes, it <is>. They're gruesome. <laughs> Travis, would you like to go next? Uh, sure. Um, mostly what I've been doing is I, a few weeks ago, I unloaded all my old long boxes out of my parents' place. So I've just been going through like my old collection and I found, I've been motivated recently because of the TV show, but I went back and I've just read through my old, all my old preacher trades. I'm on Brook three right about now. And it's been a long time since I've read those. But the one thing about my, yeah, I'm on about book three. The one thing I like is that I'm a little bit older now, so I feel like the story is that much better now that I've had, a, you know, I guess, I don't know, a little bit more just like experience in general. And they're just that much better now. So having read the comics and the tele, watching the show, which uh, which do you think is the best? Um, I think it's a little bit of an unfair comparison right now because like the TV show hasn't really like played out yet, you know, because they're only on like the middle of the second season. But I mean, they're they're of course the two they've made the two stories different. I mean, I still like the I still like the comic book the best, just because of like just every just everything about it to me is absolutely amazing, and. We have to. I just have to wait and see how the TV show plays itself out first. I guess I, that's what I was trying to ask more. So was um, how closely it follows the comic is what I was trying to get at. But it doesn't sound like it does at all. Uh, no, I wouldn't say it like that. I would say that a bunch of different, a bunch of pieces are in different orders now. More than. I think it's more a case that they've taken different story. They've taken the meat. Of uh, different uh, story arcs, and they put them in different places. I need to check that out. I've been meaning to. I need to watch the show. I've got a DVR. Why don't I record? <laughs> yeah. I just never watched TV. We, we live in like a post scarcity environment for entertainment. Any of us could watch anything, and we just don't. And I'm sure it's on something streamable, but there's always so much stuff to watch at the same yeah, time. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Spoil oh. for choice. I mean, at a certain point, like. With me anyway, like I'll say I want to watch something, I'll start recording it. And if I hit like a two or three month period out where I haven't watched it, it's gone. To me. <laughs> like, Missed your shot. Yeah. Trains left the station. Uh, so much good stuff I'm probably missing. But very good. Preacher. Cal, would you like to go next? Cool. Yeah, I'll go next. So this is the first comic that I bought in a while, at least since I moved to Ohio. Um, it was pretty good. Uh, the Batman Rebirth, I guess, has been awesome. The art I hear style. Pretty much all of Rebirth has been awesome. Yeah, I know Court of Owls is really cool. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. I think I got that at my library a nice. couple of weeks ago. That was good. But um, this comic wasn't full of a lot of action. It was mostly just set up for part two. But from what I got from it, um, the Joker's kind of in like a slump right now. Like nothing makes him laugh. Like normally when he commits a crime, he's got that terrifying laugh. I always mm -hmm. think of Mark Hamill. Oh, sure. Because that's just the Joker. The best Joker laugh ever. No question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
But his whole thing is like he just he's kind of like given up on life. Like, you know, nothing makes him laugh anymore. Uh, the Riddler was in prison and he was able to figure out how to get out of prison. Like there's a whole like page where guards try to take him out and he just like starts naming off their family members and where they live. Oh, and he, it, Batman is pretty much narrating this whole thing and just kind of talks about how the Riddler was able to like talk to one guy and then he was able to figure out all this stuff about the other guards and just walk out of prison. Right. Um, but the Riddler wants to work with the Joker because he's finally figured out the pattern. The Joker's not happy because no matter what he does, Batman always wins. Right. It's uh, everything's become so predictable. He could have this huge plan to blow up Gotham. Batman's going to figure it out mm-hmm. and win. So he wants to team up, but the Joker doesn't want to team up. He wants to figure this out on his own. Long story short, it pretty much just starts a war. There's a whole page where it's just a bunch of villains fighting each other and Gotham just oh, goes to hell in a couple of months it says like so battle royale <laughs> yeah so that's um it's just a lot of setup so part two is I assume just everything playing out it's funny uh you mentioned the Joker and the Riddler because as long as I've known Batman I've always those two aliases or whatever are so very similar to each other at least mm-hmm. sounding I know that the two characters themselves aren't similar in any way but Jokes, riddles, you know. I, I think in a different series, they would fill the same, like, villain niche. I think yeah. g- given enough time, they've become divergent enough that it's cool having them both separate. But if if, if Superman had, like, a, like a doomsday and an Armageddon, and they both essentially did the same right. thing, you know, he'd be like, why do we need them both? And so I, I, I get where you're coming from with that, I, I guess, mean, is the short answer. Well, you raise a good point. I mean, over time, the characters have really taken on more identity and differentiated themselves from each other but like in like say Batman 66 old Adam West Batman aside from their appearance their behaviors are very similar always Mm -hmm. the kooky laughing and yeah and Riddler was a lot sillier then Mm -hmm. now they're playing up like this they both were you know dangerous savant kind of angle the Joker wasn't nearly as dark or as angry or as dangerous as he is now you know but Might anyway. throw an exploding pie now and again, but <laughs> wasn't turning anyone into a pair. I wish, uh, I wish film-wise they would kind of re- bring back the Joker because the only Joker I've seen in films was the Jim Carrey, or not Joker, Riddler. Jim- Whoa, was the Jim, the Jim Carrey Riddler? Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, he was a good, like, goofy Riddler. But I would like something that kind of emulates the comics, where he's kind of getting that like dark personality kind of thing. His Riddler and Tommy Lee Jones Two Face are another example for me as to why Joel Schumacher was making uh, rebooted or updated versions of the 66 Batman rather than continuing (laughs) Michael Keaton. Because, yeah, Two-Face was never in the original uh, Batman 66, but there was a comic released that uh, was the script. Because it was written. They just didn't do it because they thought it might be too gross or horrifying for kids. And they put it out in comic form, and it was just released that right before Adam West died, they got yeah. all the vocal tracks they need. They're bringing it to life, uh, animation. Oh, wow. That That's episode's awesome. going to come out. But if you look at the concepts they had for that episode, very resemblant to Tommy Lee Jones. And yeah. again, talking about uh, who played the Riddler in the old Batman. I can never remember his name. Anyway, his high-pitched voice. TV show? Oh, yes. Frank Gorshin. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> Jim Carrey acted so much like that, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. It was, yeah. it was like Keaton Batman aesthetic, Adam West Batman vibe, you know? Yeah. 
Would you say that it was? Would you say that it was Keaton Batman aesthetic? Because he was in that leotard at one point with the like red hair. That's all. Uh, that's true. That's, I just remember the last scene of that movie. Like I'll never forget it when he's like flapping his arms in the straitjacket, talking about <laughs> the big bad bat. Well, didn't Riddler had a leotard in the old show too, though? Yeah. And then Jim, yeah. Because, I mean, when we're comparing, like, the two aesthetics of, like, 66 Batman to, like, the Keaton Batman, I always kind of felt like, yeah, I always just felt that the Riddler's the Riddler's aesthetic from Batman Forever was totally playing off 66 as opposed to the oh, Keaton Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I was thinking more like the, the city of Gotham having, like, that really oppressive, like, gothic feel to it. Yeah. Like, that being kind of the general palette, I guess, no. if that makes any sense. But yeah. And did the grand scheme of Gotham in, uh, in like, especially Batman and Robin, I mean, just the layout, the architecture of the city, like, never like seemed to make sense. Like, all these colossal yeah. statues and skyscrapers <laughs> well beyond the capabilities. They're just driving humanity. on the road. Next thing, they're driving down the arm of one of them. Yeah. Next thing, they're flying in the air. Then like, they're on hey, the road. that doesn't exist. Anyway. But kind yeah, of Willy so Wonka uh, Gothamist? <laughs> uh, in conclusion, I did really like it. That's oh, I noticed so far. Uh, oh, yeah, we're doing at least, comic ball here. <laughs> at least with the Batman Rebirth, uh, the art style's been, like, really dark and gritty. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I just think that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'd like to uh, get some of the like collections, graphic novels of Rebirth, and check in on them because everyone just talks so. I've been about stoked them. on the Rebirth. I think Year Zero fumbled a little bit; it tried to be too much, but like Court of Owls stands out as something. Mm. Yeah, Court of Owls really is yeah, awesome. Good. All right, so for my uh, comic this week, everyone knows it's no secret on this show that I like to dip into the what if well of that Marvel is a fact. comics. <laughs> Not only uh, about talking about them here in this segment, but we also have done a few shows where we talk about what if certain oh, yeah. uh, Good uh, times. elements of reality were altered, like the world without Walt Disney. What would it be like? The world with confirmed aliens in Roswell. Yeah. Which those I guess good, is a reality for lots of conversations. nut jobs across the and world. And I tell you what, those episodes get a lot of downloads, too. Do they really? They really do. Damned. People are actually curious to hear what we have to say. I don't understand. I don't either. I'm not going to argue with you. All right. Anyway. So I have a what if here featuring three different stories. I'm only going to be talking about one of them. And it's about Iron Man 2020, who is Arno Stark. And uh, you'll find out a little bit later as to who, you know, exactly he is to Tony. But this what if starts off where in 2020, there's this megaton bomb about to go off. That was uh, activated by a fella by the name of uh, Robert Saunders. Now, this Saunders fella is dead, and the only way to deactivate this bomb is with a retinal scan. So, being in the year 2020, it being so far away, they have obviously mastered time traveling by then, right? So, he travels back to 1993 to find this Robert Saunders when he was just a little boy. And uh, get a copy of his retinal scan, go back to the future, deactivate the bomb. Well, while he's doing this, and actually it might be later than 93, because Spider-Man sees this happening, and he's black suits up Spider-Man, so Secret Wars era, I'm guessing, and attacks Iron Man, foiling his mission, and he retreats back to the future to find that the bomb had already gone off. It didn't matter. Bummer. Everybody's dead. So the what-if comes in. What if when Spider-Man attacked him... You know, he fucked him up worse than he did and actually damaged the device needed to take him back to his own time. And he's stranded in the past. Classic Spider-Man. Yeah. What an ass, huh? (laughs) 
So it cuts to six years later, after he's been stranded in the past, to Arno Stark sitting in a recliner watching the news, uh, smoking, drinking, drowning uh, in his own depression. And uh, that's pretty much what life is up until the moment where the main story on the news is millionaire industrialist Tony Stark is dead. So six days after that, you see our dear Arno standing in the office of Morgan Stark, who is a, a cousin. Was that right? A yeah. Cousin yeah, to cousin. Tony? Yeah. Though they've just met within the past six days, this Morgan is eagerly telling, yes, my mysterious friend, it's done. We're framing Jim Rhodes for the death of Tony Stark, and then soon he'll be out of the picture, and then I will be the rightful heir to the uh, Stark fortune and empire, and I will get what Tony uh, took from my father so many years ago. And um, Arnie's going along with it. Now, you want, it makes you wonder, why is this Iron Man of 2020, who's supposed to be so heroic, who traveled through time and space just to get a retinal scan to save everyone? Why is he going evil? Why is six he... years of boozing all it takes to turn you into a huge asshole? It must be. <laughs> but boy, did he uh, side up with this Morgan. And uh, in doing so, becomes, you know, Morgan's personal Iron Man and effectively kills... Uh, War Machine and assumes the role of the new Iron Man. Well, minutes later, we see the wall bust open as Morgan is getting his office redone, has his name on the door on his desk. He's like, finally, things are turning up Morgan. Everything's coming up Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) Tony Stark busts through the wall, Iron Man. Iron Man comes through the wall. It's like, I'll give you one chance to step down just because I liked your father. And he's like, whoa, 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 what? How can this be? We killed you, you know? <laughs> and it shows Tony Stark somewhere else laying in a bed with like this head apparatus on, very much like he does in the movies where he's controlling the Iron Man suit from miles away. And uh, he's like, where's this other Iron Man at? Tell me. I'm going to give you one chance. He tells him. He goes after him. They engage in a battle. And Tony Stark kills Arno. Arno Stark, who has gone rogue. The Iron Man of 2020. And you still leaves you wondering, why did such an honorable hero go so bad? Well, it cuts to Morgan after his plans have been foiled, going home to a little tiny shitty shack <laughs> that's out in the woods there. And he's throwing shit around, beating his wife, saying, Tony always wins. He screwed my father over just like he screwed me over. And uh, throwing shit again at his wife and kid while the mother grabs the son and says, We gotta go now, honey. I forgot my drawing, Mom. I'd say I'd gauge the kid around six, seven years old. She's like, Forget the drawing, Arno. We gotta get out of here right now. So, right there, that's him when he's a kid. You see why he went bad to help his own father out. Makes Boy, you wonder, what's the deal with Tony Stark, though? Why was he dead and not dead? I know. I don't understand. There's a lot of stuff left unexplained in that and little short story. And it's not laid out very well. No. It, it took it us took a little two bit of us to decipher exactly <laughs> yeah. what the hell this comic was trying to tell us. But in the end, it being, it was a fun read. I always sure. love What If. So there's a few more stories in there I'll cover in the future. But that's it. Marvel What If. And with that behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to Travis Sangus and talk about big hitters. Thanks again for being with us, Travis. No, I, uh, thank you, man. I uh, Again, I said it at the beginning, but I appreciate anybody that wants to talk to me. I mean, <laughs> I, 
so humble, this guy. <laughs> so, yeah, again, like I said earlier, we wanted to uh, get in on the, when you guys were actually running this on Kickstarter, but uh, we missed it. And again, you didn't need our help. Very successful. Congrats to you. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about Big Hitters. It's a book that a friend of my a friend of mine, my writing partner Jonathan Goff, he's originally from Arizona. He's based out of California now. Uh, a few years and years ago, we met. Uh, we met when I did a little bit of freelance work for McFarland, and he was working there at the time. And um, oh, wow. I yeah, it was, it was kind of it was sort of by it was just kind of a chance encounter. We weren't actually he and I weren't uh, working together, uh, but uh, I was put in touch with him by another really nice guy who was uh, the art director there. And it was it came at a point where uh, for me comic books, as far as like me working in them, had become you know kind of just kind of got a little bit stagnant because you know I wasn't getting a lot of traction, and so. I just started to wonder about trying to do something that I owned. And I also learned, or I also knew beforehand that I have no clue how to write a story at all. So that was when I asked my, I asked my uh, friends if he knew anybody that was a writer because he was in touch with writers all the time. And it just sort of happened that he was working there with him and he'd written some stuff. And it just kind of... Everything just kind of fell into place as far as uh, making a story that we both kind of jived with. And yeah, so we were able to, we've got a five issue series. It's all done. We're just getting, we're just about to get number five lettered and colored, uh, hopefully in the next little bit. And yeah, that's, uh, that's sort of the, that's sort of the summary of uh, the history behind us starting this series. So you explain on your Kickstarter that this is kind of a, a meetup between Lethal Weapon meets Guardians of the Galaxy. No, you cannot beat that combination. <laughs> <laughs> I actually kind of like the. I actually like it a little bit more. I like it a little bit more. Guardian the sort of a Django Unchained, not with the subject matter of Django Unchained, but sort of the like a little bit of like the friendship of Django Unchained with the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of setting. So tell us about the story of this uh, of this series here. You uh, you also describe it as a a sci-fi buddy comedy, a an action adventure crime story. I'm so uh, intrigued to hear exactly what this is about. Yeah, it's just about two. It's about two characters, Mac, the big red alien guy, and Fresh, his lovable his lovable hetero life mate, I guess. <laughs> And their job, their job in the title, they're in the book, they're, they're called hitters and they're basically more or less bounty hunters. And we just follow them on, we just follow them on their first ever adventure in this series. And there's a whole lot of, there's a bunch of twists and turns and we take a lot, we take some elements of like, of drawing, to draw it off of real life, there's a lot of like, 1970s Cold War sort of things that are going on of like the East versus the West except done in a larger galactic kind of scale so it's pretty cool I mean at the base of the at that base of the story it's just it's just two guys getting by really who are best friends that sounds like a lot of fun and it's a beautiful comic the uh, the artwork's fantastic I, it's very very eye-catching I just love it and I can't wait to read it further um, thanks man one thing that you said a little bit ago that I think is very attractive to 
people who would support a project like this on Kickstarter is the fact that you guys have these issues, it sounds like anyway, you said they're finished for the most part up to issue five? One through four, one through four are done. Yeah. Uh, written, drawn, colored, lettered, everything is everything is all finished. And five is just needs to be lettered and colored. Now, this Kickstarter that just ran was for just number one, correct? It was for issue one, yeah. And so we were able to get our funding for that to take care of a, to take care of a print run uh, to keep that one started. And then we are using we are every everything that was made that was beyond that is going right back into funding the rest of the book. Oh, very nice. So are you, are you going to do future Kickstarters for the remaining issues? Uh, we hope to. I think we, now again, I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely sure on what direction we're going to go in on the future, uh, on the future issues. Uh, if we, if we are to kickstart, I believe that we may go ahead and just collect it into one trade. Mm, there you go. Uh, just, yeah, yeah, because I mean, if we already have it all finished, but again, um, don't want to put the cart before the horse uh, just yet. But uh, it's that would probably be the plan as far as uh, doing another crowdfund. Is just go ahead and to and to just get a trade funded because I mean, we all, I think we all love trades the best. Absolutely, and yeah. having well, the reception having been so good the first go round, at least you yeah. can feel pretty confident. The support is there. You know, you've got the freedom to move forward in whatever direction you need. I think so. And and retroactively, the one idea that I did have, and again, it's only it's only an idea right now. One idea that I did have retroactively is that if there are people that really do want the series in singles, we can certainly make that happen at a later date too. So there are options. That's just great. I know for me, especially, great incentive for backers to know that you're not going to be waiting another year for your comic book that it's ready it's waiting to go to press just for the funding <laughs> and that's uh that's awesome i remember like when we first started doing this show i can't remember the project but i backed it and forgot about it it was over a year later that this thing finally showed up and i still didn't know what it was like i had to go digging and like oh that's right you know <laughs> and by that time i was disinterested i didn't right. care um, so that's that's very good incentive for people who would uh, like to support. Um, now, some of your past work I saw on your uh, Kickstarter you've done. You've, you've uh, worked on Adventures of Spawn, Savage Dragon, and Transformers. Is this right? Yeah, I did. I mean, I mostly the just Holy did Trinity. Little... <laughs> <laughs> I mostly just did. A, I also just did a little little bit of piecemeal work for all those. So it's not. Um... It's more. It's not as. It's not as if it's. I'm more like the. I'm more like the one guy that appears on Law and Order for one episode, who was like a witness. When I got a, who was like a witness to the crime, but I got a speaking role, so it sort of goes as like a little check mark on my reel. But uh, yeah, I did a little bit. A little bit of fill in work. A little bit of piecemeal stuff uh, here and there, which is pretty cool. It was all. All the experiences were all. Were all pretty valuable in 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 their own ways so i'm always proud to have those on there yeah don't sell yourself short yeah man. i mean just to be a part of them in any way would be an honor for i mean at least for me i think oh yeah that's awesome that's amazing so uh people can go to travissangos.com that's uh s-e-n-g-a-u-s to uh check out more of your uh, artwork uh, is there anywhere else we should be directing people um, uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I do Facebook. Uh, just you, all you gotta do is is 
this search my name and I am on all three of those platforms and I'm pretty easy to get a hold of there. And I mean, I usually try to, it can be a little bit tricky here and here and there uh, to pump out work on a, on, a, on a really regular basis. So I try to update all my sites as best I can. But um, Instagram, that's a good spot to just see what's what I'm just working on at the at this point in time. And then I do have my website. It's just a just a little informal blog that I kind of keep up. So that TravisSengos.com or just search my name uh, on through Instagram or Twitter, Facebook, and you can find me on all those platforms. Lots of cool places to check them out. We're going to have links on our website as well. That's a fact, Jerry. That is a fact. So, Travis, I want to thank you so much for taking time to hang out with us today. I hope we didn't bore you too much. <laughs> oh, I, have, I, I would definitely do this again. Oh, well, then you I will. I wish I just, heard that more often. Yeah, right? <laughs> just let us know when that next Kickstarter is going to be coming around, and uh, we'll definitely get you back on the show, man. Awesome. We'll do that. Jake, what do we have on the website? I'll tell you what we have on the website, ladies and gentlemen. We have got a special guest page full of big names, small names, medium-sized names, names for every occasion, all at valuable valuable prices. I just ruined my joke. <laughs> Damn it. Anyway, go to our website. Check out our special guest page. Got links to our contacts page if you want to reach us or be featured on the show. Check out our YouTube page full of fun videos, Let's Plays, movie spoofs, more to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter. Canned Air Pod, Instagram, Canned underscore Air. We're easy to find people because we want to be found. We're not hiding from you. We love our fans. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do, Jake. And again, for you people who are considering going to a Wizard World convention, again, we have Chicago coming up August 24th through the 27th. Uh, Nashville, September 8th through the 10th. And Madison, September 22nd through the 24th. If you're buying tickets on wizardworld.com in that promo box, canned air, lowercase, no space, 10% off your tickets. Hey, uh, what else can we do for you? I mean, you want us to come pick you up and take you to the con? We can't do that. I tell you what, go to the convention, pocket the money you save, buy a hot dog, take a Mm. bite and think, this is canned air's gift to me. It is. That's a good way to look. Enjoy at it. that Frankfurter, <laughs> that fresh tube steak <laughs> on canned air. That's right. You're welcome. One thing we've uh, neglected to do these last few episodes because they've been kind of special episodes. Oh, yeah. Not that this band isn't special enough to feature on those episodes, but we had special agendas anyway. This will be the third song we're playing from the band In Urgency from their album Painting Parallels. Uh, you can find them at inurgencyofficial.com and on Twitter at inurgencyca. But we're going to be going out on their song, All You Need. So another great song from them. I've enjoyed all the songs we've had on. That album is really good. I think that song title really describes our podcast as well. <laughs> all you we're need. all you need. I like it. If we ever try to reformat, can there. It's all you need. It's all you need. <laughs> I like it. I it's like my it. choice and the choice of a new generation. <laughs> Kyle, I want to thank you for sitting in for Jack today. Yeah, no problem. It's, it's always, always helpful having that third person here. Whenever it's just two people, it gets, it's too personal. It's too weird. Yeah. So it's like a game I want to be here alone too. So thank you for coming and sitting in of for course. Jack. But until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Kyle Pryor. And I'm Travis Engoff. Thanks for listening, everyone. I need a fuck-up table for one. And I'm accustomed only because I've been a poisonous centerpiece of venomous energy In need of a remedy, gotta stop Hold on, let's talk You're wrong But now you knew that I'm wrong
keeps the good stuff. You don't need drugs to get high. Talk! You just need the Canned Air Podcast. That's good advice. Now we know. And no one is half the battle. Just one question. What are you doing outside the window? <laughs> Tell your mama to call me. G.I. I think that's going to do it for this week, unless you guys have anything else. Uh, be sure to drink your Jake. Um, 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 or Jack. Damn, no let me start that again. I'm still here. Um, 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 <laughs> um, and uh, um, <laughs> what the fuck's happening here? My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.